star to guide her by. Let me orbit unknown worlds a thousand miles high. My lover is a virgin queen the gods gave her to me. A ship without a boom or sails who rules an endless a seeker will make three great errors on their ascent, no matter how bold their spirit or keen their sight. The first error is to believe they have reached the end of the path when in truth they have only taken the first step. The second error is to believe that the end of one path is the beginning of another. The third error is to believe that any price is worth paying to take another step. These are the errors. Their number is three, and their reward is the loss of all they have ever gained and ever loved. Aeolus the Lesser, Tractatus Angelus. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lost Transmissions, a Battlefleet Gothic podcast set in the Age of Darkness. I'm here with our local war master, Austin, and today we're going to do another twofer uh, for the Legions. We're going to do Thousand Sons first, and then we're going to get into those first among equals, the Sons of Horus. So they would have you believe. Yes, well... Look, man, I don't know what to tell you. Lehman Russ wasn't made war master. Die mad about it. <laughs> Lehman Russ didn't want to be made war master. Well, true that's fair. story. All right. Well, need hmm, who did? Rogel Dorn did, but you're not an imperial fist player, and in fact, you dislike them as much as I do. So I can't give you any grief for that. Angron somehow did. At, what? Well, <laughs> actually, if Angron had been war master, he would have been de jure war master. But Lotara Saren would have been de facto war master. Uh, and now we know the Emperor has truly made one great mistake. Yes. Lotara Saren, war mistress of the Great Crusade. It could have been. What could have been? And it would have been a better world. All right, Reddit, you know what to do. Get on them alternate heresy theories. <laughs> I want them on my desk by next week. Anyway, so <laughs> like we said, we're going to go into Thousand Sons first. So let's get right into it. The 15th Legion, the Thousand Sons. Esoteric and misunderstood, the fleets of the Thousand Suns ply strange tides and employ even stranger tactics. Their Gloriana is the Fotep. They may also deploy the Scion of Prospero. The Thousand Suns special rule is, uh, like a lot of the quote-unquote cult legions, pretty straightforward. Uh, it's called Corvidae Commanders. The Thousand Suns, naturally, as a matter of course, employ powerful psychers to guide their ships and to inform their order of battle. Capital ships with a Stardace crew must take the Mark of Zinch for 20 points, which provides an extra command reroll re usable for that ship only. Yeah, so pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. And I promise this isn't because I hate the Thousand Suns with a burning passion. Um, when we were writing these rules particularly, uh, this was actually the very first thing that sprang into my head, obviously, you know, Mark of Zinch, Thousand Sons, they're the Zinch Legion. And then I was like, yeah, but you could be so much cooler because they've got all of the different, uh, like the Corvidae and the Athenans and all the other weird magic users they can do. And I thought, well, it'd be cool if you had, like, you could pick which cult was in charge of each ship and, like, the fireball guys made your weapons batteries better. And, yeah, and it was a lot. It was a lot and didn't give the same effect, right? Because what's happening, like we, we've called it Corvidae Commanders because um, they're the ones with the future sight and, you know, that makes good sense for getting people re-rolls. Uh, but really the Thousand Suns didn't deploy, you know, this is a ship and everybody on it is Corvidae or even all the bridge crew, Right. Uh, they'd mix and match, and you'd have a little bit of everything. And I, I think the, the command reroll actually represents that pretty well, right? Because yeah, maybe the brace for impact is the Corvidae guy. You know, he sees into the future. Ah, shit! Grab hold of something. Uh, but maybe the lock on is, and I know you Thousand Sun guys are going to get really mad at me because I know none of the other cult names off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, Pyre. Uh, yeah, the, the Pire. That's, that's the guy. Yeah, maybe the Pire guy doing his thing is what the lock-on order does, right? Like when you fail that first lock-on order, you know, 
yep, normal ship would have failed, but thank God there's a guy that's just magicking extra fire into our macro cannons, so that still worked. Uh, obviously, this doesn't change your fleet tactics too terribly much, because uh, it's just extra rerolls for individual ships, but it does let you be a little bolder about things. You know, like, uh, fuck, you know, I just got a new ship and it's only leadership seven and uh, maybe I don't want to send it into harm's way uh, quite as daringly if it was leadership 10 and I, you know, knew that leadership or uh, that uh, order check was going to pass. Give it an extra command reroll. Yeah. And away you go. Rerollable sevens is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the Ultramarines, which we went over in the last episode. Um, the Thousand Suns aren't particularly better at killing or better at surviving, but they are super reliable because of those rerolls. Uh, you know, you can use that command reroll not on just command checks. You know, say you've got a, uh, you got to fly into a warp rift. Yep, they'll see you out the other side. Yep, uh, or asteroid fields or whatever it happens to be disengaging, re-rolling to shoot at something that isn't the closest target. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good times. Yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, after honestly, like, writing two completely different sets of rules and realizing how incredibly overly complicated it was, uh, we realized that just the basic mark of Zinch, you know, hey, turns out the guys that do this for a living get things right. Yep. Uh, and, and it was a good representation of all the crazy thousand suns things yeah uh, and you know hey it doesn't do a lot for you know making your fleet fight a certain way uh but that's thousand suns for you right they weren't special in the void as far as we can tell anyway yeah and uh you know you may be thinking well 35 points per capital ship is a pretty steep tax and it is expensive not gonna lie well at least expensive individually as far as battlefleet gothic goes 35 points is Fairly cheap. Yeah, but suddenly um, you've got five capital ships in your or escorts, right? Uh, and this is actually one of the ones that it pays to equip your, you know, Cobras with Space Marine crew. Because mm -hmm. they don't have to buy the mark. Yeah. Well, they don't have to. And they can't. <laughs> and they can't. Yeah. But it's exciting, nevertheless. Yeah. And you would, uh, you know... If you look at most of the command reroll structures for Battlefleet Heresy, you'll find that they are, uh, what's the word? They they expand or increase exponentially. Uh, you know, one reroll mm. is 25 points, two rerolls is 75 points, three rerolls is 150 points. But with the Thousand Suns, you're stacking these rerolls, but you're paying the same price for each one. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while you'll waste it, right? Because... Your Oops. ship will just pass all of its leadership checks. But in that case, I say to you, your ship has passed all of its leadership checks in the whole damn game. What are you complaining about? Yeah, it is better to have the Mark of Zinch <laughs> and not need it than to need the Mark of Zinch and not have it. Thus saith the wise men. That's true. Uh, so let's get into some special ships, right? We're going to talk about the Scion of Prospero first, because it's not a Gloriana and we go in degrees of importance. The Scion of Prospero is actually more expensive than the Fotep. By 15 points, it is 450. And it appears on page 106 of the Powers of Chaos publication, which is actually the 2010 compendium, but there's a section of it that has all the fun chaos goodies. That's Powers of Chaos. Yeah, and I'm going to jump in here. It's more expensive. It does some really cool stuff, and we'll get into it. Um, but one of the reasons it is more expensive than the Gloriana is because all of these Glorianas are slightly undercosted, uh, just as another way of showing how much better they are than everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which Plus. is another reason why we say, you know, even the ones that aren't, you know, the narrative Glorianas, we do recommend taking in narrative play or in a campaign where everybody gets one. Um, because even as is, they're a distinct advantage uh, to mm -hmm. other battleship-sized things. So the uh, Scion of Prospero is a battleship. Technically, it's a battle barge. And it mirrors the Terminus Est, which we talked about last episode, quite closely. 
in terms of weapons. So it has uh, port and starboard weapons batteries, range 45 centimeters, firepower 9. Uh, so right off the bat, longer range, a bit punchier than the Terminus Est, which I guess, given that they are opposing uh, alignments as far as the Chaotic Pantheon goes, we're just going to use the Terminus Est as a nice comparison point. It'll be fun. It has dorsal lances firing front, left, right on its uh, spine, 45 centimeter range, firepower four. It has port, starboard, and prow launch bays, uh, each capable of launching three squadrons of something, uh, bringing that up to a total of nine in a single ordnance phase, which, which is, is super rude. Yeah, nothing, that's a lot of airplanes. Nothing should put out more aircraft. Uh, than an Emperor-class battleship, except for a Nemesis-class fleet carrier. And since those aren't in 30k, 9 is just right out. Womp womp, but here we are. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, Swift Deaths, Doomfires, Dreadclaws, uh, three squadrons of any of them. Which, we will take a side note to say that being a battle barge, the Scion of Prospero follows all relevant Battlefleet heresy rules, and therefore... Uh, and before a battle, may elect to carry Thunderhawks and Thunderhawk Annihilators instead of its usual complement of aircraft. So you can switch out those fighters, bombers, and attack craft or assault boats for the good old Thunderhawk. Yep, and because they're, you know, a battle barge and designed for Thunderhawks from the ground up, ostensibly, uh, you don't have to do what like a dictator would if you swapped out <laughs> and have the launch base, right? So this thing could throw out nine Thunderhawks or Thunderhawk Annihilators in a turn, which is real disconcerting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of Thunderhawks. Uh, and then to add to the fun, it also has Prow Torpedoes, uh, Strength 6, firing out the front. Which, all things considered, makes the Scion of Prospero a really good all-around battle barge uh, flagship. The fact that it can launch attack craft and torpedoes is somewhat rare for battleship class carriers. Uh, mm. In fact, I think really the only other ship that can do that outside of the Space Marine vessels is uh, the Dictator. So those of you paying attention will remember that you cannot fire your turrets at both attack craft and ordnance. You got to pick one. And even if you do manage to... Uh, somehow managed to fire all of your turrets at the at incoming attack craft. There's nine of them. Good luck shooting them all down. Yeah, you really need to catch them with a, uh, a lucky lance strike. Just annihilate the whole wing or something. Like, yeah. That's the only way to do it reliably. Nothing mm -hmm. else can be trusted. Yep. Nuke it from orbit with mm -hmm. a giant laser. Mm-hmm. So the Scion of Prospero, as you might expect, has some fun little additional rules to it as well. So right off the bat, it bears the mark of Zinch, and that is included in its point cost. It has a Space Marine crew, so that's fun too. Uh, let's see here. Cannot use come to new heading, because it's a battleship. Uh, the flagship. It has to be the flagship if it is present in your fleet. Unless, and this isn't written explicitly, but it is understood, uh, the Scion of Prospero has to be your flagship unless the FOTEP is present. Uh, it has two additional rules. One is called Vortex of Chaos. Favored horrors of Zinch, Wraith, and Cavort amidst the very bulkheads and girders, and a swirling vortex of chaos surrounds this vessel. Oh no, it's just their tutelaries. They're not uh, mean. No, They're not definitely aggressive. Definitely not demons. It's fine. It's fine. Prospero deserved it! <laughs> At the end of each movement phase, any ship within 15 centimeters of this vessel, friend or foe, must place a blast marker in contact with it, which is nuts. Yeah, that's real unpleasant. And so I, I looked at this ship and you think kind of long, medium-range carrier type, right? It's got a bunch of attack craft. It's got 45-centimeter weapons, batteries, and lances. It's got torpedoes. Hey, you want to stay back and... No. You want to jump on somebody with this. Just have it right in the middle of their fleet. Because once you drop their shields, they can't reignite them. Uh-huh. Yep. 
if you're within 15 centimeters of the foe tip, you just don't get shields. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, if, you know, a blast marker is not going to take down all your shields, probably. Um, but remember, if you end your move in contact with blast markers, you just can't relit. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is at the end of each movement phase. So not even your movement phase, right? But the end of each, any ship within 15 centimeters takes a blast. So if you're duking it out with, you know, an enemy cruiser, because let's face it, her guns are impressive, but they're not overwhelming, right? Nine weapons battery, catching four lances. It's not the end of the world uh, to a fully, you know, full-up cruiser. Right. But uh, it is when it can't pull its shields back up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, and at 15 centimeters, too, those nine weapons batteries are going to get a good left shift which is going to negate the fact that they have to fire through a blast marker to hit their target. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you still got four lances coming at you, too. Really, the only only downside to it is your attack crafter having to run that one in six chance of blowing themselves up when they commit a run against somebody really close to you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can just play that smart, right? Send your attack craft at things 20 or 30 centimeters away and let your guns deal with anything close in. Yeah, or break it up into three sections of each, so that you know you don't dump nine thunderhawks into something and they roll that that unlucky one, and Zeech mocks you. Yep. All right. The second rule for the Scion of Prospero is called Vagaries of Fate. The Changer of Ways provides for command of the fates, affording its auguries snatched glimpses of the future. The ship is gifted with an additional plus one reroll added to that from the Mark of Zinch. So the Fotep, not the Fotep, sorry, the Scion of Prospero has a built-in two rerolls. But the daemons bound to the hull are easily enraged by its commander's inability to use this foresight and inflict one whole point of damage if this ship uh, fails rerolls for any reason. That's so rude. It's It's rude and it's not... In my opinion, it's not super likely to come up, right? Because it's a battle barge, it rolls on the Space Marine leadership. So Mm -hmm. right off the bat, you're looking at 8 to 10 for your leadership, which isn't bad. Yeah. The odds of you needing the reroll are low to begin with. And And then you've got two. Yeah. And then you've got high enough leadership that uh, you'll probably make it. The second time around. And you've got two for free, right? Like, even if I was taking a Thousand Suns fleet, uh, I would probably still give my Admiral at least one reroll, because there's always that asshole that's going to fail two leadership checks. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it's only 25 points for the first one, right? Like, it's, it's not expensive. So I'd pocket that. And, uh, yeah, you're unlikely, but God... That's just so fucking typical, right? <laughs> That's Thousand Sons for you. Thousand Sons. They deserve everything they get. Yep. You're just minding your own business, and suddenly your uh, your flag captain undergoes the flesh change. Oh, this tutelary teaches me everything about the warp. Yep. A little too many things about the warp, you might yeah. say. Gnawing on your soul. <laughs> captain, we need to come the new heading. What are you doing? Oh my god, he's turned into a zucchini. <laughs> he's spawn. He's a chaos spawn. <laughs> to use the right flesh change politically correct term he became a chaos spawn deal he's, with he's it pickle rick 40k <laughs> edition jesus christ it's literally a gourd well it's there it is we've we've made a rick and morty uh comparison the podcast is dead shut it down <laughs> well sorry to all the uh all the fans of legions that come past 16 because this is the last episode nope, yep we're, we're done womp womp Anyway, so yeah, I like the Scion of Prospero. It's pretty cool. For 450 points, it's pricey, but worth it. Because, I mean, again, nine Thunderhawks. God, nine Thunderhawks and the ability to screw with people via blast markers is always a good thing. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good time. So let's go on to the other Thousand Suns ship. Clocking in at 435 points, it's the Fotep. Ooh, ah. The Fotep is one of the Glorianas that's based off of a battleship that is not Heresy Era. And in fact, everybody who complained to us that the Despoiler 
is not in the game, you can play the Fotep and you can stop crying about it. Because that's what it's based off of. Well, damn, Steven. I got real strong feelings. He, he really does. Got a, I, I got a lot of feelings. I'm just so full of feelings. Anyway. He's just a boy with thoughts and desires. Yeah, same as you. Well, maybe not exactly you, depending on who you is, but I digress. The Fotep! Battleship 12. Uh, 25 centimeter speed, 45 degree turn, 4 shields, 5 up armor, 4 turrets. It's a good sizable, you know, battleship hull. It has port and starboard lance batteries, 60 centimeters, oh yeah. Firepower 2. It has a dorsal bombardment cannon at 60 centimeters. Firepower 6. It goes front, left, right. It has nine prow torpedoes. Standard. You know, you know, you know them, you love them. Stick a whole bunch of plasma in an ICBM and let it go. Mm -hmm. It has port and starboard launch bays, launching two squadrons each of Thunderhawks or Thunderhawk Annihilators. Now, this is the is more of the uh, the long to mid-range carrier that you would expect. Uh, that you would kind of look at the Scion of Prospero and think, hey, that's what that thing does. Nope. Fotep time, baby. Mm-hmm. Fotep's special rules. Uh, successful leadership checks to fire at the Fotep, such as in the instance of it not being the closest vessel, have to be re-rolled. Whoops. Yeah, and that's real annoying for a long-range battleship that's picking you apart and just mm-hmm. sending waves of attack craft at you. Yep. Uh, the Fotep comes with the Mark of Zinch, so it's got that extra reroll. Uh, it has whatever rerolls that you get because it's your flagship, so it's got whichever ones you bought. Uh, it is a very reliable ship, made all the more reliable by the fact that once per phase, the Fotep or any of its ordnance may reroll a single die. That's real good, boys and girls. Like, because <clears throat> you look yeah. at it. And I know what you thought when we, Stephen was reading about the weaponry. Two lances, six bombardment cannon, like that's not a lot. What, what am I doing with that? Rerolling one of them in the shooting phase, which is no bad thing. Uh, but where this really gets good, I think, is the ordnance phase, right? You can reroll any one single die. That wave of four Thunderhawk annihilators that were about to go, you know, wreck face just rocked through a blast marker and died oops re-roll that no they didn't we're fine success the enemy is doomed uh or you know they hit the ship and you roll your dice and that one friggin bomber rolls a one and you're getting no attack no actual attack dice well hey man don't think that actually happened give that a re-roll see what what goes on Yep, just rewind time. It's yep. fine. End phase comes around. You didn't fix that piece of critical damage that really needed to be fixed. No, no just re-roll that, I guess, since it's a different phase. Uh, yeah, the, it's mind-bogglingly nice. Like, not Thousand overpowering. Sons, the re-roll, Legion. <laughs> yeah. It's just, nope, nope, that's not how the future had it. Mm. Yeah. Now, here's another fun bit. If you're playing the narrative Glorianas, right, uh, you've got that unstoppable special rule, so they get uh, a three-up save against any critical damage. The Fotep can just re-roll that. Yep. Good luck critting the Fotep. Yeah. Or if for some reason you got into a boarding action and you rolled a one and that's not what you wanted out of your life, yeah, the possibilities are near endless. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, opposing fleets that are facing narrative Glorianas automatically pass a command check to fire on that ship if it's not the closest. Uh, that's built into the narrative rules, but the Fotep is immune to that. So don't worry. One third of your uh, special rules are going to be kept nice and intact. Mm-hmm. Which again is nuts because the Fotep in a narrative setting is 24 whole points eight shields and eight turrets so when it comes to guns or ordnance you're gonna need a lot of it to get to the fotep and hurt it yeah but the real Uh, problem is it 
its weaponry goes from being like long range, sort of plink off that last hull point of a cruiser as it runs away to uh, a damn. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Firepower six lances at 60 centimeters. Firepower 18 bombardment cannon at 60 centimeters. 12 torpedoes just 30 centimeters at a time making their way towards you. And uh, six squadrons of Thunderhawks. Per launch bay. Per launch bay. Yeah, so 12 in total. Any one of which can carry Magnus the Red, who's just going to get on your bridge and kill everybody there with space bullets. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a known fact. He'll dabble in warp fuckery. Yeah, he might just turn into a spawn on your bridge and blow the whole thing out into space. Who knows? Probably. Friggin' heretic. Yeah. It's, It's a good time. Uh, but that's the Thousand Suns, really. Kind of kind of short and sweet and nice and easy to uh, to digest. Yeah. We are going to take a quick break. Jesse's got some uh, messages for you. And then we're going to dig into the Sons of Horus. Since we're talking about two carrier Glorianas today, uh, we've got something special once we're done with the Suns. So stay tuned. This episode was made possible by the generous support of our patrons, starting with our Praetor tier, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Joe from Music City Heresy, Woe, Matthew Boyce, Jacob Dillon, Mr. Baldwick, and Nicholas Quenga. Our Centurion tier, John Christensen, Angry Boy, Black Label Painting, Andrew N., Scott LeMay, The Original Applesauce, M. Tanzer, and Queen Corswain. And finally, our Legion Sergeant tier, Emily O'Hare, Duncan, Travis Smith, Garrett Lowe, Aaron Maynard, and Nicholas Gillen. Thank you all very much, and if you like our episodes and would like to support us, go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. Thank you. Thus cometh the hour of the war, master. The slave cares not for whose hand wields the whip, or why, knowing only the authority of its touch, the discipline of its voice, and the certainty of its pain. An old Chthonian proverb. Uh, The sons of Horus where initially, when we wrote them, it didn't occur to me that they'd be as fun to play as they are, but they're actually really cool in the uh, intervening four years that I've been staring at these rules. So 16th Legion, first among equals, the most honored of legions, arch traitors. The Sons of Horus are merciless and without hesitation on the attack. Their Gloriana is the Vengeful Spirit. The Sons of Horus special rule is, as you can guess, tip of the spear. The brutal decapitation strikes of the Sons of Horus are their pride, led from the front by the black-clad Terminators of the First Company. So here's what you get for playing Sons of Horus. First of all, your flagship gains Terminators for free. So that's saving you, what, 20 points, 30 points right off the bat? I forget how much they are off the top of my head. I wrote these rules, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Now, normally, you can only take Terminators on a single ship in your fleet. Yeah, there's not a lot of of them. Fucking suits of Terminator armor is expensive. Yeah. Who do you think you are? The War Master? Get out of here. But if you are the War Master, two additional ships may be upgraded, uh, or rather may upgrade their Astartes to Terminators for 15 points. So right off the bat, you're getting a discount on Terminators. When any ship equipped with Terminators makes a teleport attack, that ship may roll 2d6 and apply both results to the target, which... And remember you're getting there. a plus one for being space marines. Yeah. So take a minute there, grab the sides of your head and hold onto them, and just consider the carnage. It gets... That's so many criticals. Real bad. Um, yeah. And I'm not one to put a lot of faith in critical hits normally. Um... You know, uh, you took my weapons down, and I can fix that. It's not a huge deal. You know, if you're not smashing my bridge or dropping my shields, I'm probably going to be okay with it. But if you can drop all of the weapons, just straight up all of them, then that's a problem, you know? Uh, and I see a lot, well, our, you know, the the guy here locally that plays Sons of Horus for us, um liked to give his Terminators to a pair of strike cruisers and Mm. just dump both of them on the same target. Uh, So they just took, you know, four critical hits. And And that sucks. Like, that just sucks. Ah. 
if you're a space <laughs> marine crew that's getting attacked by terminators at least you subtract one right so there's the one yeah, in six a chance, chance that nothing happens that nothing happens but if you're not and you just get bombarded by uh you know the Justerin, good luck like <laughs> what are you gonna do all your gun crew are dead mm-hmm. yeah and like it can vary very quickly it it doesn't usually do a lot of extra damage um, because it is still, you know, choices one through seven. So there's only two chances there uh, that any extra damage in the terms of hull points will be accrued. But the enemy just won't be able to shoot back. And, uh, well, when you can't shoot back, you're just going to die. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, the thousand point starter fleet listed in the Red Book uh, has two strike cruisers with terminators on it so don't think that that's super expensive that's 160 points each mm-hmm. you know terminators for everybody but mostly terminators for your enemy yeah don't don't like it it's real good mm-hmm. uh, and you know if you want to be super hardcore about it you know your flagship's a battle barge or something uh, that can keep up with those two strike cruisers then Hey, here's 66 critical hits. Aww. Have fun. Aww. Yep. Nothing works anymore. <laughs> it's a rough one. Yeah, you thought the Night Lords jumping on your ship was bad. At least all they did was uh, was mess with your leadership for a turn. Yeah, and, and remember, when you're kind of doing the math on these things, the way critical hits work is the only one you can suffer multiple times uh, is fire. Uh, bulkhead collapse... And, um, wow, having a blank. You can tell we record these and don't really edit them. The other one that does <laughs> that does extra damage, just straight up extra damage to your ship. Thrusters? No, no, no. Um, 11 and 12. Oh, uh, bulkhead and... Uh, Hull breach. breach. Yeah. 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 Uh, those are the only ones you can suffer multiple times. Everything else, if you suffer, you know, the four result... And then you suffer it again, you take four and five, right? So what'll happen when you start doing so many hit and run attacks on the same ship is you'll just start causing more and more fires. Mm -hmm. Uh, And fires are the worst possible thing that can happen to a starship, uh, short of just blowing up immediately. I mean, what is a fire if not just an explosion in slow motion? Yep. Yep. Well put, sir. So if you, you know... You take four of these and you get a bunch of fours and fives on the results. That kind of climbs the ladder real quickly and suddenly everything is on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your enemy will have other ideas than trying to fight you. He'll be trying to run and not be on fire. Yeah. And even if you only get hit by one uh, teleport attack, right? In normal circumstances, you take that one crit, you, you do whatever you need with it. The repair phase rolls around or the end phase, I guess. Yeah. And you can fix it. You know, if you're a relatively healthy ship, there's a good chance that those D6 you roll, you're going to get at least one six. And yeah, you can just yeah. like, boop, put out the fire, fix your guns, fix your uh, engines, whatever. Right. But if you get hit by the Sons of Horus. Yeah. You, now you, you can't, have to choose. You can't fix your guns for. and a fire and your other guns and your prow armament and the engine damage. Something's got to ride. Uh, mm-hmm. And that will always... Uh, manifest as being something you desperately needed next turn. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah, Such are the, the will of the gods. Um, so naturally, the way to play against Sons of Force is keep your damn shields up, right? Keep your shields up, and the Terminators can't get you. Mm-hmm. Well, Easier said than done, though. <laughs> yes, naturally. Uh, so let's hop on over to the opposite page. Clocking in at 659 points, it's the Vengeful Spirit. Probably the coolest ship in the Heresy. The mo- certainly False. one of the most well-known. The coolest ship is the Conqueror because it has the coolest person on it. Hmm. Does the coolest crew or captain equate to the coolest ship? Certainly hmm. I would take Lotara over Abaddon any day. Hands down. But it's the vengeful spirit. I mean, it's got its own saying, and that is pretty cool. Yeah, nobody says, I feel the hand of the Conqueror on me. Nobody lives long enough, that's why. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. On both sides. (laughs) Everybody knows, uh, I feel the the hand of the ship on me is 
a Sons of Horus or Luna Wolves saying to indicate that they're getting real pissed and they're about to do something about it. Yep, the hand of vengeance is upon them and uh, woe betide anybody in their way. Yeah, the Vengeful Spirit is the only, hmm, well, one of the only Glorianas that we know definitively made it all the way to the 41st millennium. Uh, even as of the Great Rift opening, it is still mastered by Abaddon the Despoiler. The only other ship is, interestingly enough, the Conqueror. Well, and the McCrag's Honor, but nobody cares. who cares? That. Right? Get that out of here. Bob Gilliman and his dumb El Camino. <laughs> so, anyway, the vengeful oh, spirit. Lord. We're, we're just shitting all over on certain legions today, aren't we? Well, I mean, always just always just the ultramarines. That's Gilliman fair. Day is every day in your heart. Hold the spirit of Gilliman Day close and you shall never want. <sighs> Them's the rules. So the vengeful spirit is... Uh, also not based off of a battleship in the blue book anyway it's not based out of a battleship on armada it is based out of the original vengeful spirit profile uh out of the powers of chaos publication so that's fun uh, the conqueror also has a powers of chaos publication but we like ours better the one in the the one in the book doesn't have ursus claws so you know we had to fix that what are you gonna do yeah, such is life. Vengeful Spirit, 659 points, speed 20 centimeters, 45 degree turns, three shields, six up armor, four turrets. It has port and starboard weapons batteries, range 45 centimeters, firepower 12. It has prow, port, and starboard launch bays, all uh, launching Thunderhawks and Thunderhawk Annihilators at three squadrons each, so it's like the uh, Scion of Prospero and like the Terminus Est, another one that can just drop nine attack craft onto a target. It has Prow Torpedoes, six of them, and it has 60-centimeter dorsal lances. Who boy. Yeah, it, uh, it'll definitely fight you, right? Like, there's a reason this is the most expensive ship uh, most expensive Gloriana in Battlefleet Heresy uh, by nearly 200 points. It's real good. Uh, and actually, I was just doing the math uh, a second ago because I was like, damn, nine squadrons of Thunderhawks. Like, that's a lot of Thunderhawks. Uh, that's about 810 Marines a wave. Just doing the math on that in my head because you figure each each like group of Thunderhawks historically is like three Thunderhawks going out and doing things as opposed to like a 12 or 15 thing squadron. Uh, so, you know, hey, they each take, what, 30 Marines and a Thunderhawk? Uh, that's a lot of Marines, plus Rhinos, plus Dreadnoughts, plus whatever, you know? Yeah, so when uh, when you read the books and they're like, oh yeah, we're sending down the spear tip, that's just like a wave from the Vengeful Spirit, uh, which is kind of yeah. awesome. And again, in Battlefleet Heresy, nine Thunderhawk, Thunderhawk Annihilators hitting a thing is atrocious and should be avoided at all costs. Uh-huh. But nope. unlike the FOTEP, uh, it can actually stand back and beat the shit out of people at long range uh, because it's got enough firepower that, you know, firepower 12, you can take that left shift or sorry, the right shift, the bad shift and be OK with it. And three lances, even though it's only, you know, one more, I find that three lances is really when lances start getting annoying. Yeah, because even halved, you know, you're still throwing out two. Yeah, just like two lances, 50%. At worst, it's going to drop your shields. Um, but three lances, suddenly that's that has a chance to poke through. And of course, backed up by 12 weapons battery, it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. uh, and like the Fotep, it can throw out proud torpedoes, which is exciting. Yay! Hooray! Gotta pick something. Yeah. Eventual Spirit's got a couple of cool tricks up its sleeve. Uh, being the flagship of the Warmaster himself, you know, Horus was loved by all. And when Horus told you to do something, unless you're Angron, and even then, you listen. So all friendly vessels in the same fleet as the Vengeful Spirit gain a plus one to their leadership value. 
Yeah, I should point out here that that doesn't, uh, I guess, trump the the rules that no ship can have a leadership value better than 10. Uh, but what it will do is offset, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so if you take, you know, minus one from that blast marker, Marcus Lanesh, or whatever it is, uh, the plus one to leadership value will still kind of bump you back up so you're ignoring that. So even if you are leadership 10 because you've rolled really well with the other space marine vessels, this is still giving you a benefit. Mm -hmm. And a very important one because, as we say all the time, orders will win and lose you this game. Uh-huh. Yep. So... Additionally, the Vengeful Spirit may conduct teleport attacks from 25 centimeters away. Wow. Remember that teleport attacks are normally uh, conducted from 15 centimeters away. The Vengeful Spirit just tacks on an extra 10 to that because that's where all the Justerian are hanging out. They got all the best equipment and they're fucking scary. Yeah. And because it's your flagship... It has free Terminators. Hooray. Yay. And Horus Looper Call. And Horus just <laughs> shows up on your bridge <laughs> and like boops your captain snoot with World Breaker. Yeah. Should just be and called Head Breaker. Like, and you're doing Terminator stuff. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Don't get too close to the Vengeful Spirit for any reason at all. Do not be fooled by those three shields. But uh, also, don't be far away from the Vengeful Spirit. Because just, yeah. just don't be near the like, don't be in the same system as the vengeful spirit. It will it's find six hundred and fifty nine points. It's ridiculous. Uh huh. Yeah. Look at that big giant gun just sitting on top of the prow there. That thing is huge. Yeah, that's just the size of a cobra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, it has just a cobra mounted on a turret, on hollowed the prow, out, shooting big old laser in it. Yeah. Uh, like everybody else, the Vengeful Spirit has a narrative profile, 24 hull points, uh, 20 centimeter speed, 45 degree turn, six shields, still six up armor, and eight turrets. So again, it's beefy. Uh, port and starboard weapons batteries jump up to 36. Prow port and starboard launch bays jump up to six squadrons each. Prow torpedoes go up to 12. Dorsal lance battery goes up to nine. And this Ooh, boy, it's just atrocious, right? Like we we go over the top on a lot of our narrative Gloriana's, rightly so. Um, but again, Vengeful Spirit is about 200 points more expensive than the next most expensive Gloriana. And uh, this is why, like any one of its weapon options, you know, any given launch bay, any weapons battery, the torpedoes, the lances, they can all be fired at something completely different and cause that other ship to brace. Mm -hmm. And it'll do and that all the damn time because it's the vengeful spirit. Uh, so it's not like, you know, it's going to run out of ordnance anytime soon or, you know, fail yeah. that lock on order. And then just sad times are had. Sad times and are had by all. Something we don't often talk about when we talk about the narrative uh, Glorianas, because honestly, uh, torpedoes are not what people take Glorianas for. But thanks to the Fleet Killers rule, a Gloriana that has torpedo weapon systems may fire a wave of specialist torpedoes, but each wave may only be fired once, or each type may only be fired once. But it so has like, them all. Yeah, it has them all, and the Vengeful Spirit just rolls up on you, and you're like, oh, wow, cool, I survived a a bombardment from the vengeful spirit that was neat hey what do you mean vortex torpedoes are on the way 12 of them yeah no it's a bad time mm -hmm. uh, yeah of, of all our our narrative glorianas this is the one i think i would be least happy about facing and even in general, like this is a real unpleasant ship. And that plus one leadership to everybody else sounds like just like a tack on thing. If you haven't played a lot of Battlefleet Gothic or Battlefleet Heresy, um, because, you know, plus one leadership to your whole army in 30K, eh, like it's nice. It's not that big a deal, right? But because leadership plays such an important role throughout Battlefleet Gothic and throughout Battlefleet Heresy, that plus one leadership value to everything is just super super good mm -hmm. now there's a note here 
about the vengeful spirit um so when the vengeful spirit first debuted in the 2010 compendium uh the idea of gloriana class battleships was uh it's kind of new and it wasn't really solidified um they were they had been mentioned right but we didn't know exactly how big they were how unique yeah, they were they were just like well-built battle barges right that's mm-hmm. all they are and in <laughs> fact the uh the vengeful spirit has a sister ship which according to uh, execution hour long may it be remembered is pretty much identical to the vengeful spirit so there is a in theory a second sons of horus gloriana running around called the magna tyrannis uh later called i think the harbinger of doom as of 40k uh it's not in this book it's not in the it's not in battlefield heresy um because having access to two glorianas is just a little nuts and i don't but, think we've seen anything about it in 30k um, yeah no it, it pretty much only gets mentioned in execution hour it's the flagship that abaddon's hanging around on and then it's never talked about again yeah uh, but I mean, the it, point being yeah is that originally all of the legion flagships were just fancy battle barges and the vengeful spirit was noted to be the template that a lot of other battle barges got built off of um so ships like uh destiny's hand from the word bearers uh stonebreaker from the iron warriors were ostensibly modeled after the vengeful spirit and the vengeful spirit that we have here is the quote-unquote original chaos battle barge profile which you'll notice is not available as a ship class of its own in battlefleet heresy but you can build it with the upgrades available to the vanilla battle barge so if you want to be uh, particularly historical you can take a battle barge you can give it more launch bays you can give it more dorsal weapons and you can name it whatever the hell you want <laughs> because it's the vengeful spirit's little unrecognized baby oh yeah no. it'll it i've kind of had my eye out for it as i've read all the other battlefleet or uh, all the other uh horse heresy books because i was wondering if it would show up as like the double gloriana of doom or if they would officially say like oh no it's just a battle barge like calm down it's fine yeah but uh I don't remember ever actually seeing it. So if anybody's seen uh, the Vengeful Spirit's little brother, would you please bring it uh, to the Lost Children's section of the Remembrancers <laughs> Retreat Lost Transmission podcast uh, and let us know where you found it. Yeah. We might send you something. Who knows? Who knows? So, like I said, because we are talking about two uh, carrier Glorianas today, two carrier Glorianas and a third special ship that has a obscene amount of carrier capacity we are going to go uh, off the reservation a little bit and we're going to go to the far back of the red book in fact we are going to what do we got here page 143 to 145 we may have mentioned this before uh, but we have a kind of special set of ordinance rules that austin and i and the folks here at richmond like to use when we play battlefleet heresy it is not the quote-unquote official set of ordinance rules for battlefleet heresy um you know fan-made rule set of a dead game do whatever you want but we like it and we like it because one of the things we've added is a profile for all of the myriad types of attack craft available to the legions uh, because you know as well as we do, the Space Marines are flying around in things other than Thunderhawks, right? Yeah, and nobody's got a Fury. Yeah. Well, no self-respecting Space Marine anyway. No self-respecting Space Marine will squeeze himself into a Fury and take <laughs> off into the sky. He won't do it and you can't make him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I should we should preface this. Uh, so these rules uh, are... Uh, except for the additional ships that we've added, probably about 90% the rules that came out of Warp Rift Magazine number 33 uh, that were written by a gentleman called Graham Wilson. So, Graham, if you're still doing the thing and somebody knows him or weirdly you're listening, thanks, because they're awesome. Uh, 
And he thought about Battlefleet Gothic and said to him, you know what, man? You remember that movie Midway? Not the shitty new one, like the old one with actual footage from World War II in it. That's a damn good movie. I want to do that in my Battlefleet Gothic. Um, but as you all know, when it comes to attack craft, it's just tokens removing tokens and the skill of your pilots is meaningless uh, because there's no dice rolling and that's just where it goes. Uh, so he did a lot of math and a lot of thinking and worked out a really cool way of visualizing attack craft. Uh, and I looked at that and I said, well, that's real cool. Um, and I had had sort of uh, my own rules for ordnance that I had written myself back when I was still living uh, in Los Angeles and playing a lot of Battlefleet Gothic uh, with the guys out there. And one of the things that we'd really liked about those rules is that you had a limited number of attack craft, right? Because nothing sucks quite so much as taking your Emperor-class battleship out and launching ordnance for the first time, and then going to reload and rolling double sixes, and you get no more ordnance for the rest of the game. That seemed real dumb. And it also seemed real dumb uh, to me, and again, you do what you want, uh, that there was a maximum number of attack craft that were allowed on the table, and it was the number of your launch bays. Because historically, right, what happens? Uh... Carriers will launch fighters, right? And they'll fly combat air patrol, make sure the enemy bombers don't come at them. And then they'll launch their waves of bombers with, you know, fighter escort or what have you. And they'll go out and try and sink the enemy ships while the cap is still flying around your head. And you couldn't do that really in Battlefleet Gothic because all your cap would have to vanish so you could launch bombers. So what I did was do a lot of math uh, from Execution Hour and Shadow Point, because thankfully the uh, kind of main ship in those books is a Dictator-class cruiser, which is a carrier. And I realized that in the books, it seems to be able to launch three waves of stuff before they're like, yeah, now we've launched everything that'll fly, we have nothing left. So what happens is, if you are using our H-33 ordinance rules... Before the game begins, or if you're in a campaign, just whenever you first get the ship, uh, you select what type of mix of attack craft is being carried by every ship with launch bays in your fleet. Uh, a carrier may carry three times its number of launch bays and squadrons, uh, with Thunderhawk squadrons counting as two for all ships except for battle barges and strike cruisers, uh, because they're big and bulky and, you know, just take up more space. So... Carriers then launch attack craft just like they do in you know normal Battlefleet Gothic, but doubles don't make you run out of ordnance. You just ignore that. Instead, they may only launch the attack craft they started the game with, and if these craft are on the table or destroyed, they can't launch any more attack craft. Right? So you could have a carrier and say, "All right, I'm going to have it have six uh, fighters and six bombers." And that's what we're doing. And so, you know, hey, first round, I launched my four fighters and they're going to go off and, you know, be capped for my rest of my fleet. And uh, the next turn, I'm going to launch two fighters and two bombers and try and do a bombing run. And oh, no, they all got killed. Well, now suddenly I have two less fighters and two less bombers to launch. And so what happens is for most a good portion of the game. Uh, it doesn't affect you too terribly much unless you get really unlucky. Uh, but then late game, you're kind of looking at your attack craft and like, oh, God, there's that crippled cruiser and it's trying to run and I can catch it. But shit, I only have three fighters and one bomber squadron left. So, uh, well, that just has to be what will kill it because I don't have any other options. Which we found leads to some really fun narrative decisions. Uh, as you're just sort of scrambling with these, quote, suboptimal uh, attack craft loadouts trying to get the job done. <laughs> and it also stops people from doing something that I personally found a little egregious, which was, well, if my attack craft are infinite, uh, sure, I'll launch four bombers against that ship with five turrets. Uh, because, you know, 
if one of them makes it through and does a point of damage, that's a net win, and I don't really care that the bombers have all died. Well, in real life, man, you'd care an awful lot because oh. all your bombers are now drifting debris and you're not going to be able to launch them again. Uh, so it makes you pick your targets a little more carefully. And it leaves us some fun narrative things that are going on. So that was sort of my modification of uh, Mr. Wilson's rules. But we are going to do an episode on uh, alternating, not alternating, um, but alternative uh, ordinance rules, just because there's so many of them. Uh, and there's so much like good stuff to kind of like pick and choose and, and mix and match and, and make what you enjoy the most. Um, yeah. But we did want to talk about all of these different attack craft that are available to the legions, or at least skim them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you can launch nine attack craft, <laughs> an ordinance yeah, phase, you can it have... almost seems criminal to only launch Thunderhawks. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So what... Wilson has done is instead of just token remove token uh, everybody's got guns right everybody's got turrets that can shoot at each other and they have an armor value and it doesn't affect at all the way attack craft uh, interact with like capital ships ships, like or escorts or any of that or celestial phenomena or anything it only messes with how attack craft uh, deal with other attack craft uh, so there are a couple of different types. There's your fighters, uh, bombers, assault boats, and, you know, torpedo bombers, some are fighter bombers, all of that. And it really breaks down into three sort of new uh, stats. The first is firepower, and then there's armor, and there's turrets. So firepower is exactly what you'd think. Uh, if you've played Battlefleet Gothic at all. It's the number of dice you roll when your marker hits an enemy squadron. Uh, Then there's the armor value, which, just like in regular Battlefleet Gothic, is a number you have to score uh, to destroy the squadron in question. And then there's a turret value. Uh, And turrets are generally only on uh, fighters, fighter bombers, or I'm sorry, not fighters, fighter bombers, or bombers and torpedo bombers, uh, assault boats kind of stuff. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's the defensive fire. Uh, So you cannot initiate combat, like a dogfight, if all you have is turrets, right? And some some ships have both, like uh, the fire raptor. We'll start there, right? Or no, actually, that's not the greatest. <laughs> the greatest uh, thing. We'll go with the oh, soap. So, so we've got it listed as uh, the additional things you can fire off are Xiphons, hmm. Fire Raptors, Storm Eagles, Thunderhawk, Thunderhawk Annihilator, Sokar Stormbird, Cestus Assault Ram, Dreadclaw, Charybdis, and all of these are uh, one of those three things at least, and a lot of them are multiples. In the case of the Sokar, it's all three. Yeah, because, well, it's It's a a big old bird. Yeah, it's a big old bird. So that would count as a fighter, a bomber, or a salt boat, you know, just like uh, any other fighter bomber. When you touch a capital ship with it, you got to pick what it's doing. Uh, It's got a speed of 20 centimeters. It has one firepower, uh, so it can go chase down, you know, enemy bombers or whatever. It's not really good at it. Uh, it has six up armor, which is, you know, as good as it comes. And then it has three turrets, uh, which means that fighters, uh, for example, just the basic Fury Interceptor has three firepower, five up armor. So it's throwing just as much attack dice at the Stormbird, except its armor is one worse. Uh, so it's probably not going to do the trick. Uh, just a heads up, there is friendly fire, and I've shot you points out. <laughs> yeah. What is... Go. So, yeah. Um, Sokar's, like, three turrets kind of represent, like, it itself isn't good at grabbing, jumping on things, and blowing them up. But it has so many guns that it is just as ill-advised to try and fight it, right? Yeah. You should leave um, it alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one of the one of the better ways that this is illustrated, I guess, is the difference between the Kaistus Assault Ram, the Dreadclaw, and the Charybdis, right? All three of these 
are assault boats. So they do the exact same thing. They touch a craft, they do a hit and run attack, they go home. Mm -hmm. um, but you look at their stats and things start to get more distinct. So for instance, uh, the Dreadclaw and the Charybdis go 30 centimeters, but the Kystus only goes 25, so it's a little bit slower. None of them have any sort of firepower value, so they can't shoot other things. Yeah, you're not um, trying to dogfight people uh, in your Charybdis. But they can defend themselves. Mm -hmm. So the Dreadclaw has an armor value of four. This is kind of the bog standard assault boat that appears on every single uh, coming out of every single launch bay in the galaxy between that and the shark, right? Mm. Uh, and it has no turrets to defend itself with, so it's completely alone. But you compare that to the Kystus. The Kystus has a six-up armor value. You know, it's that fortified double boom. It is going to get from point A to point B, and it's mm -hmm. going to drop off its people. It's heavily armored. Uh, and it has one turret, uh, kind of representing that Magna Melta and those rockets, you know? Yeah, but primarily the Magna Melta. Yeah, like it's not designed to fight another ship or really defend itself from fighters but it it can try but do right? not get in front of it yeah right again like your your normal interceptor like the ziffin is rolling three dice to its one right it's not a good idea to try and just waltz it through a squadron of fighters um but you yeah. might get lucky yeah whereas the charybdis on the other hand is kind of an in-between between the kystis heavily armed heavily armored and the Dreadclaw, which in Battlefleet Gothic may as well be made of cardboard. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a five-up armor, and it has two turrets. So it's a little better at defending itself. You know, the, the Charybdis has all those rocket pods strapped to it, which normally it uses to scour landing zones before it actually comes down. But theoretically, in space, it could just launch a whole bunch of independently uh, guided rockets and blow up anybody that's trying to give it a hard time. And that's kind of what I think it would do in space uh, mm -hmm. because, right, like if it hits another ship, there's not going to be like defense crew right there waiting, right? It gnaws through the hull a little bit and some melta bombs are applied and like get through the hull and then the infantry go to work. Uh, so, yeah, why not use those missiles as sort of trying to shake off uh, attack craft? Again, those turrets aren't the equal of actual fighter interceptors. Uh, but, you know, it gets the job done. They might dissuade someone to to back off. You know, it bears noting that the turret value and the armor value doesn't necessarily um, literally illustrate firepower values as a defensive measure um, or the actual thickness of armor. Uh, it's just kind of a blanket term to describe the overall defensive capability of the of the craft in question. Maybe it's fast. Maybe it is hard to see. Uh, maybe... Yeah, super agile. Super agile, you know, or the defensive or the turret value, you know, isn't necessarily talking about actual weapons so much as, um, you know, maybe that Charybdis, its missile launchers are just blasting out chaff to distract... <laughs> uh incoming missiles or fog sensors or something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah we we like these rules a lot because it does give you a little more variety right because you can have models for your kaisus assault rams lord knows i've done that i've taken two tiny sharks and like green stuffed them together and look at my kaisus um but they were sharks just like all the other shark assault boats and that made me feel kind of sad uh, so we fixed it because well, we made our own Battlefleet Gothic with blackjack and hookers. That's right. And uh, really, that's all we've got left for today. Like I said, we'll do a more in-depth dive on um, alternative ordinance rules. It's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll do that next. Who knows? Who knows? We, we don't know. We certainly don't we know. We have what no idea do. what's going on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, tune in next time. I know I just said we don't know what we're going to do, but I'm looking forward to talking about the world, uh, the word bearers. Oh, yeah, that's next, isn't it? Because they're the next Legion, <laughs> baby. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I think we all know what's coming next. Yep. But until next time, remember, 
that not all knowledge brings joy. Good hunting. I must lead these men as endless night unfold. For I've a mighty ship to sail, we rule beyond the skies. A universe of stars at my command to guide her by. The shores of dusty Troy. Lost Cyrene, the ancient hero's song to sing, escorted by my queen. Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash RR30K podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at remembrancers underscore retreat. You can also visit our website RR30K.com for podcast updates and the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791. That's 1929-HERESY1. And you can also leave us an email at the Retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again.